You're listening to Fit Girl, your guide to getting in shape, the podcast dedicated to helping you separate fact from fiction in fitness. Stop struggling and learn what really works to get the body you want and keep it. For more details about this podcast and other episodes, visit fitgirlpodcast.com. And for more information on programs and downloadable workouts, visit fitnessmakeover.com. This is podcast episode number 254, terrifying gym exercises and the injuries they cause and what to do instead, when to eat carbs and why, plus how to make a written plan for success. So first of all, I'm so excited to say that I finally did it. I finally published the Strong and Powerful podcast. I've been wanting to do this for such a long time, and it is available on iTunes and Spotify and all those other places. I'll definitely put a link into the notes and also into the fitgirlpodcast.com site so you can find it. Um, I, I had to make a little change in the title to make it easier to search, so hopefully that change will take place by the time I publish this podcast, and you can search Strong and Powerful in, the, um, in iTunes, and if not, apparently the first code of the um, episode was easier to get you straight to it, and that is SPP001, which of course stands for Strong Powerful Podcast, Episode 1, so... Hopefully I'll get those kinks worked out and it'll be much easier to find and um, we'll just see how that goes. I'm really excited about it. It's basically all of the motivation things that we've talked about here on uh, the Fit Girl Guide and some other things, of course, and it's not the exact same information, but um, if you like the motivation sections, then you'll definitely want to get subscribed to the Strong and Powerful podcast too. And although there are video packages you can get on quickfitclub.com uh, as far as doing a 14-day makeover or individual workouts or packages, uh, we're kind of still redoing the whole membership part, uh, the concept and how many videos we're going to do each month and how we're going to do webinars and things like that. So a little more patience on that realm. Sorry I keep changing things. I tend to do that, but I like to make sure that everything is 100% before I actually make that final jump. Um, so any suggestions, comments always are welcome. You can email me or reply to any one of the emails I send you or uh, let's see, Kira at fitnessmakeover.com is usually one of the easiest ones to get to me. And thank you for doing the COVID survey. Uh, we had a lot more responses, so it's kind of given me a good idea of what everybody else is going through and always, as always very interesting. And there's a spot there that you can leave comments too. So if you want to have like a webinar, we've been throwing around doing like a, one of those Facebook webinars on either nutrition or training or motivation or any other topic, um, feel free to send me a comment or even just uh, send me a message on the Facebook page. And um We'll see what we're going to do. And if you've had a chance to check out any of my t-shirt designs, either on the Fitness Makeover site or Amazon or Etsy or eBay, since they're all over the place now, give me some feedback on those too. I'm always curious as to what people like, what they don't like, you know, styles, colors, all that kind of stuff. In training, we're going to talk about some terrifying gym exercises, and these ones really aren't as terrifying as some other ones. They're really just ones that are maybe not the best choice for most people. I mean, there truly are some bizarre exercises I've seen in the gym, and I, I got to tell you, one of the latest trends, if you do go to the gym, is people doing like a leg press but using the Smith machine, which I feel like is, is 
pointless in a couple of different realms. Um, number one, very dangerous as far as your feet could slip or your um, bottom of your feet, the soles of your feet can cramp or your calves can cramp and it's just dangerous and really just not as good as a squat. Um, maybe it maybe it's marginally better than a vertical leg press, but I just see too much danger and not enough benefit from that. So if you've been doing it, please please don't. Um, there's a whole slew of things I still see people doing in the gym that make no sense, but I think I've done that before on an episode, and I'm probably going to have to revisit it because I still see that stuff like people hanging all over the Stairmaster, walking backwards on the treadmill, going sideways on the Stairmaster. I mean, just stuff that I, maybe it makes sense in theory, but in, in actuality, it's really not doing them the benefit that they think that it is. So anyway, back to the terrifying exercises that aren't so terrifying after all. Um, and again, this doesn't mean that these are horrible exercises to do. So I'm actually giving you some tips on what to do instead that will make them more beneficial. So the first one, and let's see, I think we have one that's for the gym and two that aren't. So if you're not working out in a gym, you still have uh, two out of the three exercises that you definitely want to hear about. The first exercise is the seated leg extension. And I know a lot of times we use this for various purposes. It really isolates the quads and all that kind of stuff. Um, but doing the full range of motion where your foot is really far down behind you is actually not good for your knees. Um, it can really put some excessive shear force on the connective tissues in your knees. And it also causes the quadriceps to work without the co-contraction of your hamstrings and calves, which actually help to protect the knee, which is why squats are so much more valuable than a machine like the leg extension. Because with squats, you're forcing the quads, the hamstrings, glutes, calves, everything to work together like it's supposed to. And even though it sounds like a good idea to isolate the quadriceps in a seated leg extension, it's really not doing as much benefit overall. So again, every once in a while, maybe if there's no other machine that's open in the gym, but you know, as a regular exercise, regular go-to exercise, you're going to be better off with the squats and lunges. Now, you may not think that it's doing any damage, but a lot of times that comes out when there is some sort of sports performance or even just daily activity when you try to move in a different direction and that area, that knee ligament is not strong because of that leg extension. So like anything else, you don't want to only do one type of exercise for a particular muscle group. And one of the things that I use with my clients that's actually beneficial with the leg extension is to do just the top quarter range of motion. So just taking that a little bit down and then back up is going to help target some of that vastus medialis that is usually weakened by doing a full leg extension and is really actually weak on a lot of people. So it's not a bad idea for most people to do that quarter range of motion. And that's actually something I've learned from um, an Olympic skiing coach that had great success with the skiers not having the injuries. And as you know, they are really prone to those kind of things, especially around the knees. So if it worked for them, it'll work for us. Now the second one is the upright barbell row. And this has been an exercise that's been around since the dawn of time, um, but it's been known to be terrible for shoulder health. And if you've got completely healthy shoulders, which I don't know who does anymore, but maybe the younger people do in their 20s and such. Um, but if it's completely healthy, you're not going to notice. You're not going to feel any weirdness. You're not going to 
think that it's any much of a harmful exercise, but it really does place a lot of stress on the shoulder joint. It actually places your hands in a maximum pronation and the shoulders at a maximum internal rotation and it's putting all that under a load, which is just when you know the dynamics of it, it just makes you want to cringe. I mean, I just hurt thinking about them. Um, this position actually takes the humerus bone forward and it pinches on that bicep tendon and it compresses your shoulder bursa. So guess what that equals? Tendonitis and bursitis. And of course, it's gonna make bad posture even worse. So what seems like it should be a very harmful exercise is actually very dangerous in the position, positions that it puts your hand and your shoulders in. Um, you may not know, but most people are internally rotated. They slouch and that causes problems and weaknesses in the shoulder itself, especially if you reach for something or reach behind to grab something. That's why a lot of people end up with these rotator cuff injuries because they're so unbalanced between the front and the back of the shoulder. They do too much chest work and not enough back work. And if they do back work, then it's usually a lot of biceps instead of getting the back to really work. And that takes some time to, to train yourself on how to feel. So this type of exercise is really just exacerbating that whole situation and really setting you up for some sort of horrible injury on down the line when you go to grab a, a purse or a box or whatever out of the backseat of your car. So... What are you going to do instead? Well, you can do shrugs, of course, to work with the trapezius. Um, the face pulls, or what we call the rope row to the neck, is also a great one. Um, I see it, a lot of people doing it in the gym now, and that is definitely very good, but you've got to keep the posture up. Make sure you're squeezing across the upper back. You know, always trying to isolate the muscles that you're supposed to be using, because it's not about moving the weight from A to B. It's about working the right muscle through a range of motion. And then of course, any rotator cuff exercise is gonna be better than that. So hopefully you haven't already been doing a lot of upright rows and hopefully you don't have any rotator cuff damage or injuries or pinching or pain. Um, if you do, then definitely don't do that exercise and focus on that rotator cuff by doing exercises that support the back and strengthening the back and the rear delt um, rather than focusing on stuff that works in the frontal plane, like the chest press or shoulder raises. Um, I'm seeing that we're going to need to have a whole another episode on rotator cuff issues and how to deal with them and how to notice them and all this other kind of stuff. Now, the next terrible exercise, and if you're enjoying this, we're actually going to do some more in the next episode. But the next one is, is again, another one that is from the dawn of time and People still do it even though we know better. We know that it's not right to do it this way. And it's actually a twofer. It's the behind the neck barbell press and lat pull downs behind the neck. Now, I know I still see people doing these in the gym. And hey, if they've got perfectly fine shoulders, great. I just don't think I know a person that does have any, you know, shoulders that without some sort of injury tightness or something. But you know, it still doesn't make it right because you're still putting a lot of risk into your neck and your shoulder joints. Now, when you think about this, it should kind of make sense that there's no occupation or sport that actually requires you to pull something vertically down behind your head um, or to be pushing anything behind your head like, like you would for a barbell press. 
And common sense number two would tell you that when most people do pull these behind or push them behind, depending on which exercise you're doing, um, behind the head, they have to force their head and their neck forward. And that's going to pretty much tell you there's a lot of stress going on there and possibly damage to the cervical discs and the nerves. And with our society, everything being so much to the front, you know, looking down, whether it's on the phone or a desk or whatever, you know, you're already putting those muscles and nerves at such risk of staying tight, which can cause other problems. So why do that when you're doing something somewhat voluntarily in the gym when there's plenty of other exercises that you can use? Now, the other thing with these exercises is that, once again, you can injure the rotator cuff by forcing that internal rotation in the shoulder. So God forbid you actually would be, were doing barbell row, behind the neck presses, and lap pull downs. It's amazing if anybody ever did that combination for a long time, if they could even move their shoulders by the time they got older, because there's definitely going to be damage done. And I know sometimes people say, well, you know, the, the old guys did it, you know, way back in the day and all that kind of stuff. But let's remember that that was before computers, before cell phones. And yeah, they may have done some of those exercises, but they didn't have as drastic of a forward head posture that we have today. Now, if you've ever actually done a pull up, then you know it's not the same as a pull down. Technically, the pull down is actually biomechanically incorrect. It's about a 180 degrees out of phase of the normal human range of motion for a pull up. But I also know that for most people, pull ups are almost impossible. And they can only get some benefit for the back by doing the pull down. So that makes it, I guess, a good choice in that respect. But trying to build up some strength to either hold yourself in a hang or even attempt a pull up either way is definitely beneficial to the muscles of your back. But like I said, since most people aren't strong enough, the goal is to use the pull down to feel the muscles of the back, not to pull with the arms. So trying to isolate in the right way to get some benefit into the back muscles. So of course, what do we do instead? Well, pull-ups, but I know I just said that they're not so easy to do. So hanging, just you know, holding on a bar and taking your feet off the floor and hanging. Um, you can also add a scapula contraction. So that means that while your arms are up there overhead, you're for or focusing on pulling your shoulder blades down towards the floor. So Anytime you pull those shoulder blades down, they should go back a little bit too. So that back and down that we're always saying to do for your posture is what you would be doing while you're hanging. And that's also the same way when you're doing a pull down that you would begin. You hold the bar, but you first begin with dropping the shoulder blades, pulling them back, getting that contraction down there or that scapula contraction, and then pulling through to feel the rest of the back. So... Pull downs might be good for you to work your back, but they're not exactly the same as a pull up. So even like I said, just getting in that position is one thing. Now let's also keep in mind that a pull up and a chin up is not the same thing either. With a chin up, you're using a lot of your shoulders and biceps. So completely different, but you do what you can and you focus on what you can do and do it correctly to at least get that benefit. So from now on, if you use the leg extension, you're just going to do that top little quarter range of motion. You're going to focus on your rotator cuff and shrugs. And you're also going to start hanging and doing scapula contraction while hanging.
which by the way, if you can't get to the gym because of COVID now, you can do that in a park. You know, usually they have those swinging bars. And if you have kids and you take them to the park, or if you just have one in your neighborhood, it's a great way to do that scapular contraction and try to try to focus on the pull-up and feeling the muscles of your back. So in nutrition, this is another topic that we're probably going to have a part two about just because there's so much information to talk about. And this is when you're supposed to eat carbs and why. And there's a lot of myths still out there. It's just amazing how much how many myths there are out there about everything, um, but especially on carbs. You know, people, I need to carb up. I need to, you know, carb overload and all this kind of stuff. Well, most of it we don't need to do, especially if weight loss is the goal. But when you're focusing on nutrition for fat loss, then your goal is to eat foods that are nutrient dense. Now that doesn't mean that you completely cut out carbohydrates because you need them for a multitude of reasons, but you want to make sure that your choice of foods are ones that make you feel full, ones that help you avoid cravings, that give you energy, have high nutritional benefit, you know, basically no empty calories. There's certainly a time and place for when you can eat empty calories, but not when your goal is fat loss. And that's why we pick a start date and an end date for fat loss so that your mind isn't deprived of foods. It's just delaying them for a period of time. And that's also why I recommend that forget about it during holidays. Don't try to diet. Just eat healthy, do your best, enjoy some things that you wouldn't normally eat, but don't restrict yourself um, because then you're just going to be cranky and ruin everybody's time around you as well. So Focus on eating healthy and just have those times when you can have those things that you wouldn't normally eat. It's certainly not going to be the end of the world because you can always get back on track. Now, when it comes to eating anything, your first priority should be just good, healthy habits. And of course, your other first priority is going to be to plan your meals. Because if you don't plan them, you're just going to grab whatever and you're going to get screwed up. You're not going to make the right choices. You'll end up eating foods that do cause cravings that don't make you feel full. You'll be missing out on certain nutrients and that's going to cause more cravings. So planning your meals should always be a priority and at least kind of having in your head an idea of what you're going to eat at the very least. But um, most of your meals should be a little higher in protein if you're trying to lose fat and obviously be more whole foods real foods, not packaged, because you'll find that if you buy like a packaged meal, sometimes they're good for convenience, like a Weight Watchers microwavable thing. Um, But when you look at the amount of food you get versus if you have prepared that for yourself at home, you get like two or three times as much food in what you would prepare at home for the same amount of calories that you do in that microwavable meal. So again, I know sometimes I keep them in the freezer just for emergency if we get home late or something and we don't have something cooked or whatever. It's one of those better bad choices, but it's better to have something than nothing at all or something really junky. But always aim for that real food. And of course, you're looking at your meat and fish and eggs and nuts and beans and vegetables and, you know, fruits and Yes, potatoes are okay, rice is okay. We all want to make sure, though, that they are all combined properly so that you can get the most out of each nutrient. That's why your meals try to be protein, carb, and vegetable. It's very important for all three of them to work together. Now, something that is still a myth that I hear is pre-workout carbs. And I think it's more so with the people that are doing the running events or whatever um, than it is for weight trainers. 
or people involved in fitness, but there is no carb loading for working out. Uh, most likely you don't really need to eat carbs for pre-workout energy because as long as, you, as you've been eating consistently in a pattern, you know, like every three hours, four hours, five hours, then you should be fine because muscle glycogen can actually provide more than enough fuel for an hour workout. And keep in mind, your workouts shouldn't be much longer than an hour um, when you're working out intensely. Now, that's not really counting a slow warm-up and maybe a stretching cool-down, but you know the whole, what I call the meat and potatoes of your workout, which is the main lifts that you're focusing on, shouldn't be much more than an hour if you're really putting in the right intensity. One of the things to remember is that you do not have to do every exercise you know for a certain body part for it to be effective. You're looking more at the number of sets that you should be doing rather than every exercise known to man. Okay, so number, I think we're number three, post-workout carbs. And that's another myth that you need to bulk up on carbs after a workout. Well, that's not really true. Um, yes, you want to have some. And sure, post-training is a good time to have it because it does help with recovery. But if for some reason you can't get those carbs right after your workout, it's not the end of the world either. You just get them at your next meal. Now, one of the things I think why this has come about is that post-workout can be certainly an optimal time to eat higher carb foods. Um, this means carbs that are not necessarily just your green vegetables. And there's a couple of reasons why. Um, the first thing is that, of course, after a workout, your metabolism is increased and you're going to be burning calories faster. Now for recovery, which is probably even the most important thing, your body uses carbs to replenish that muscle glycogen instead of storing them as fat. So, I mean, you've used it during your workout. Now's the time to replenish rather than having excess and pushing it on towards fat. But remember, anything can be stored as fat if it's in excess of what your body needs. So we have to balance that out. Um, carbs also release insulin, but so do foods high in protein help to elevate that insulin. And the reason why that's important is because insulin is the storage hormone produced in the pancreas in response to food. And this regulates the amount of glucose in your blood, you know, your blood sugar. So when you eat food, it's actually broken down into glucose, fatty acids, amino acids, vitamins, minerals. And you can kind of think of insulin as the place where it warehouses the, the stored form of glucose for later energy. So by having that, it helps to enable the amino acids to repair your damaged tissues and build your muscle up, which is what you do need when you're trying to lose fat. Um, and that, of course, means it's anabolic, which is muscle building. So we talk a lot about insulin and insulin response and why carbs sometimes get a bad rap because of that. But there's also reasons why carbs need to be used in order to help your body recover and lose well, body fat. Um, the other thing that helps, that this helps with, is when you're working out, you're causing stress to your body. I mean, if you didn't cause stress on the body, it would have no reason to repair. You wouldn't get stronger. There's no adaptability. So as you do put that stress on the body, it, part of it is inflammatory. And, and that's kind of when you push your muscles and your metabolic system to limits. And that's partly the goal of working out to begin with. So you need to make sure that your body can recover from that inflammation as well. 
So when it produces these inflammatory products while you're working out and your insulin will actually increase recovery by happening, happening to suppress these things. So that's where carbs and protein is really important for your recovery. So having a meal shortly after you work out that's got that perfect combination of protein, carbs, and fibrous carbs is what your goal should be. Now, you know, your insulin production is going to be different in each person, and it's definitely influenced by what you eat and how you exercise. And this brings us right back to the point of why meal planning is so important, especially if you have issues with your blood sugar levels or your insulin levels or your energy levels. You know, a lot of it is going to boil right down to what you eat and when you eat it and what's happening to your body. So the biggest takeaway from this whole section is that, you know what, carbs are good. You need them. You don't need an excessive amount. They do a lot of good for your recovery and for your energy. You just need to be smart about how you plan your meals. And a lot of times people overeat carbs because they've depleted them or they've cut them out or they've really messed up their blood sugar levels and their body starts craving them. So again, being on a schedule with your food, especially if you're trying to lose fat, is most important for this. And if you're not trying, if you're just trying to maintain, then that's fine. You can be a little more lax in certain areas, but definitely if you're trying to lose fat, you've got to make sure that you plan out your meals. So in case you didn't get the hint in the previous section, making a plan is really, really important. And making a written plan makes it more likely to actually happen. Sure, it's always good to have an idea in your head of what you want to accomplish, but by writing it down, you can actually organize it by the proper sequences, make it chronological or as far as working out, kind of warm up, workout, cool down. You can set priorities for these different items and you can review them regularly and revise them if you need to. Whereas if it's just in your head, it all gets mungled in there because there's just so much going on. So when you can sit down and take a look at that uh, written plan and review it every single day, it helps to reinforce the habits that you need to be making in order to accomplish what you want. So take the time to think through exactly what you want to accomplish, whether it's just making your meal plan or writing down your workout, or cleaning the house, or whatever you want to accomplish, and then take it one step further by writing out a list of what you need to do in order to get what you want to accomplish. You know, maybe you want to have clean floors, um, and so you have to clean up the house first, and then you have to vacuum, and then you have to mop, or whatever, and you need to put those in the proper sequence, too. And there's actually... So by taking something that you want to accomplish and breaking it down step by step, you're much more likely to do it because a little step here and there doesn't seem so bad, whereas that big leap to the final event can be overwhelming and just basically make it so that you're too afraid to even act in the first place. Um, there's a rule that says that every minute spent in planning saves 10 minutes in execution. So the time you take to think about something and put it on paper before you actually begin working on it is actually going to give you a return on your personal energy of about a thousand percent, which is calculated by the, that 10 minutes saved for every minute that you invested in planning in the first place. So your goal would be to review your plans 
daily. And you can do that more than once a day. You'll be surprised because sometimes you actually get new ideas or see new insights or perspectives about what you're trying to accomplish. And sometimes that you can make it move along a little bit faster because things pop in your head that you didn't think about in the first place. Action without planning is the cause of every failure. So you need to resist that temptation to take action before you actually plan it out in the first place. I know it kind of seems backwards at some point and some things you do have to just act on right away, but when we're talking about goals and things that require steps to reach, then yeah, sit down, plan it out. My plan for the Strong and Powerful podcast, I've actually wrote out, I hate to say years ago, like 10, 20 years ago, as far as what I want to do with it. Uh, and by writing it down, I've been able to fine tune it over the years. And not only do I want to take that podcast, I want to take all the concepts that we're going to be going through and make a curriculum for schools. Because a lot of the strong and powerful concepts are about having greater self-esteem, greater self-value. And that's something that I think a lot of kids need to learn so that they can counteract or avoid bullying because you know what it seems to happen at not only school age but grown-ups too and we're not all equipped with how to deal with it and how to have our own beings strong and powerful enough to deflect negativity so like any other plan that's got steps to it you know this one has been revised multiple times um, but the overall goal is the same and it's taken me way too long to actually get to the podcast part, but you know what? Life comes up. There's been a million things that have happened that have been major and had to be dealt with. Um, but having this written down, I can always go back to it and say, oh yeah, all right, these are the steps I need to take. This is what I had already figured out. And it makes a difference as far as getting right back on track even faster than starting completely over again. All right, so that's going to be true of any goal. And just keeping a notebook or keeping a file in the computer with all of the documents or the information or whatever you need for whatever you want to accomplish, it's not all for nothing if you fall off track or other things happen in life. Because once you've got it written down somewhere, you can always come back to it and revise it if you need to. And sure, life is about accomplishing goals. Um, not always do we get to all of those goals because other things happen. What we call life happens and sometimes gets in the way of our workouts or our goals. But you know what? We learn from each process or each mistake or each event. And as long as we can take something away from that that's positive, that helps us to learn either more about ourselves or how to deal with situations, then that's really the growth we're looking for in life. So just a quick reminder, check out Strong and Powerful Podcast um, and certainly share it with friends, family, and everyone. Start putting your goals down on paper. And if you need help with that, I have programs at fitnessmakeover.com that I can help you with setting your goals, making your plan, doing your workouts, doing your nutrition, the whole deal, because I know sometimes it can be overwhelming. So check those out at fitnessmakeover.com. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. If you'd like additional information on these topics and more articles on health, nutrition, and motivation, visit fitnessmakeover.com, allinoneworkout.com, or coachkira.com.